In order to get outside of ourselves, Jordi is going to educate us on something going on in the world. And I'm so excited to learn about Lebanon a little bit. Well, I will start off by saying uh, I'm rusty with my current event in international international uh, affairs uh, knowledge. I have really been occup- uh, busy with other things, but maybe just to kind of let the audience know if uh, things with international relations and current events, that's something that interests you, maybe let us know. If it's something that you don't want to have anything to do with, let us know on that way. I'll know what amount of effort to put into um, talking about these types of things. Yeah, don't make Jordy make all this effort if you hate it. Yeah, and well, I don't want to bore anyone else, uh, anyone either. But um, people pleasing as, next week. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm sure uh, everyone's probably aware of, there was an enormous explosion in Beirut, in the state of Lebanon. Uh, I want to say last week. Uh, it was a huge explosion. It's killed over 160 people, uh, thousands of casualties. Uh, it was. I, I, the causes of the explosion, I think, are still unknown, but it was essentially the explosion of over 2,000 tons of ammonium nitrate, which is a type of uh, chemical that can be used either for farming, agriculture, but it can also be used to manufacture weapons. So it was stored in uh, apparently a careless fashion to where it led to some kind of an accident or possibly not an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh destroying the entire port of uh, Beirut and uh, it's a very critical port for Lebanon which is already a struggling borderline failed state it's interrupted international commerce for them so it's a big deal (laughs) and as of uh, August 10th uh, the Lebanon's government has resigned so this was on Monday I believe what does that mean resigned well, in a lot of cases, if a government's resigned, it's essentially a recognition of, of non-confidence or the, the government's ability to no longer to govern legitimately. So I'm not quite sure about how Lebanon's political system works, but with um, in this, like the case of Canada, if uh, it's a party system so the party that gets the majority of the votes they put the prime minister in place and if ever there's a point where they feel like the prime minister is doing a bad job the government can make a no confidence vote uh they do they can do things like that in the united states and if it if the parliament is essentially unable to vote in favor of continuing the government then that leads to the government being dissolved and it leads to new elections being called. Oh, so so they just have no government right now? Well, no, I mean, they're still going to be running things. Uh, From what I'm understanding, the the government that's there is going to be resting in in place, but they are, they're going to be trying to change things. Essentially, there was no way that they could get around this, and you can't have a huge explosion like that and have the government maintain any kind of legitimacy. There's protests taking place in the streets. Uh, th- these were a lot of things that were just already boiling at the head because uh, essentially to give people some background, Lebanon is a very partisan state. Uh, what does that mean? 
it means the government or the the politics in Lebanon are very much uh based around uh sectarianism or factionalism. What's that? <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of I guess a lot of the time uh when borders are designed throughout history they don't end up reflecting the demographic reality on the ground uh that happened a lot in colonial africa with european powers you know dividing up borders along their own interests and it took place in the middle east uh for centuries all that area that particular area of the middle east that almost all of the middle east what we know as the middle east and north africa was controlled by the ottoman empire which was centered in what we what is present day turkey and you know for all the problems that existed under the ottoman empire it had a lot of fluidity to it it was you know it had borders but people were able to move around and associate as they would but after world war 1 when the Ottoman Empire found itself on the wrong side of the conflict, it ended up being divided and losing all of its, all of its empirical territory, imperial territory. And what took place after World War One in 19th century was the Sykes, what's known famously as the Sykes-Picot Agreement. And the Sykes-Picot Agreement was what took place between uh, the British and the French government. Uh, Sykes was the representative from the French uh, government and Pico... Oh, no, I've got that backwards. Sykes was from the British government and uh, Pico was the representative of foreign affairs from the French government. And so being the good imperialists that they were, the British and the French found it necessary to redivide... Uh, former Ottoman Empire into new territories that they could manage and that they could have under their respective influences. And in the case of Lebanon, it was kept under French uh, pr French control up until around the end of World War II, I believe. Back to the original point of borders not being a good reflection of the demographic reality on the ground. In the case of Lebanon is it's a very diverse and multi-cultural, multi-religious, multi-ethnic society. So you have a very small territory with uh, many different groups. You have uh, Mennonite Christians, you have Sunni Muslims, you have Shia Muslims, you have uh, Druze, which are a small religious minority that exists within the Middle East. And those are all, it essentially, once the power vacuum of the Ottomans and later the French took place, you found a huge power vacuum and you found these competing, these different groups competing between one another to have influence. And in many cases, it led to a lot of violence. Lebanon had a very violent civil war, uh, principally it was way more complex than that, but it was principally between Sunni Arabs and Christians uh, fighting one another. And what all of this led to was to Lebanon's government having to be uh, created in a power-sharing dynamic. Hmm. So essentially in Lebanon, the 
it's written into law to where the president has to be a Maronite Christian, the speaker of the parliament has to be a Shia Muslim, and the prime minister has to be a Sunni Muslim. Hmm. So this type of power-sharing dynamic was conceived in order to make it to where no one particular, in this case religious, group had power over the other. They would all have some kind of role to play in the government. But what it essentially does, or what a lot of critics have to say, is it bars, it, it kind of cements a status quo into place to where you just become the president because you belong to this one particular religious group and not because you happen to be particularly supported uh, all across the board or because you have good ideas. And so for decades and decades, Lebanon has had this kind of partisan sec secularist uh, tension within it. And then there are a whole lot of other dynamics coming into play, like the refugee crisis. 25% uh, of Lebanon are, is composed of refugees. So that makes things all the more complicated. Wow. And essentially, af after the explosion took place, the government was forced to dissolve as a kind of a token gesture to say, okay, we're going to make reforms now. We're going to change the government. But what a lot of people are seeing this as is nothing more than window dressing. What does that mean? And it's just they're going to change uh, the people that are holding the offices, but it's essentially going to be the same regime. Oh. It's going to be the same factions in each respective office, whether that's the Speaker of Parliament, President, or the Prime Minister. And it's not going to fundamentally lead to any systemic changes that the state of Lebanon desperately needs. Mm. That's very interesting. I never realize that there's so many different ways the rest of the world functions that we just have no idea yeah and then a lot of it well that's why the term geopolitics is very significant because it has the word geography played into it because mm. you'll find a lot of the times history which plays out through around geography is what's going to decide the dynamics and the advantages or the disadvantages of a certain state. Lebanon happens to be a very mountainous, uh, rugged country. And that, and throughout history, when there really were no borders, it really didn't pose much of a problem because you would have these different religious groups living in different valleys or around different mountains. But then all of a sudden, when they were all put together into one single state, which didn't necessarily reflect their natural like ethnic or cultural borders, then that's where all these struggles started to unfold. And people have been saying this for years, but so far the Sykes-Picot agreement borders have been maintained, but a lot of people uh, are calling for just erasing it all and starting over. Uh, I won't, I won't get into this, but that's what uh, a lot of ISIS or the, uh, the Islamic state, that uh, took back that started taking place in 2014. Like one of their big grievances was the Sykes-Pico agreement borders that were imposed on, in their case, Sunni Muslims, and keeping you know, dividing their people over different states and not letting them be unified. 
But uh, in the case, yeah, in the case of Lebanon, we'll see if they're able to pull themselves out of this one. But uh, yeah, these things have been going on for years, and I think things might end up getting worse before they get better. But that's where uh, I'll have to do a little bit more research. This is like your reality TV. You're like, well, we'll see where they end up. Like it's on the next episode or something. <laughs> Will Lebanon? Managed to reconcile its sectarian violence? <laughs> Tune in next week on The Young and the Stateless. <laughs> Is this better than the Kardashians? I don't know. I don't know. Well, the Kardashians are, are of Armenian origin, and oh. we could talk about all the interesting things that are taking place in Armenia. But oh, we'll yeah. That for... Well, the, the title, the clickbait on the episode will be The Kardashians. <laughs> the Kardashians, I don't even talk about it. Yeah, we just talk about Armenia. <laughs> <laughs> Just to close it out, if people, if, if you like hearing about current events and foreign affairs, let us know. But if not, we'll uh, go back to our regularly scheduled programming. But uh, I love helping people get curious about these types of things yeah. and staying informed. 